welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. That was the slow version, but now I'm going to tell you the real version. Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You're listening to Real Faith on Faith FM Radio, and uh, there is going to be no shortage of quickness, I think, in today's episode. Just a guess. There's not any particular reason. I'm just feeling excited I'm because so excited. it's the first time I've been allowed to leave my house today, so I'm excited. So <laughs> I'm also just, excited for that same reason. I don't know if you got this news break, but I got the news break that lockdown for regional New South Wales is continuing for a week. If you're listening to this on the yeah. repeat, then uh, just double check that on, um, you know, Google. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it goes to August 28th at the moment. That's what I should yeah. say. Yeah. Just in Sweet. case this is a repeat for you, you wouldn't want to be panicking and thinking it's going on till October or something. Hopefully. Anyway. Hopefully. Well, how are you today? I'm good, thank you, Ruby. How are you? I'm doing great. I uh I have a little bit of a challenge. So I did this I did this awesome like jerry rigged pop filter thing, but it's broken. It's proper broken now. So sorry in advance about any of the pops that you get uh from the voice. Anyway, I'm doing good, man. I am super excooper. Yeah, yeah, I'm out of it. I got to be honest. Okay, I'm doing good, we're but here, uh, I'm losing my mind a little bit on lockdown. So okay. I've been working from home, which I, I suppose in, I haven't had an office for five years. So I've kind of been working from home for a long time, but uh, at least before I could leave. So it was a little easier. <laughs> How are you going? I'm good as well. Uh, because I'm studying, it's it's strange. I've actually been more attentive to my studies. Really? You've been well, more... I, hold on a second. You've yeah. been more attentive to your studies while doing distance education? Yes. That is the total opposite of my experience. When I was in high school, I did a year of distance ed, and it was the worst experience of education <laughs> I've ever had in my life. Oh, really? We got to come in for a half day a week. And uh, anyway, that was like the only socializing I got. I was pretty... I was pretty starved for attention at that point in my life, as yeah. you might imagine. But uh, anyway, yeah, we've got a great show lined up for you. We're not going to do all of the, the therapy today. We're going to uh, also do some other things. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be continuing our Bible study today, and uh, we're going to be journeying with the children of Israel to a place called Sinai. So in the Exodus journey, continuing on to the place where God speaks to the children of Israel, not just to Moses, but he speaks to them all. And on this mountain, God appears and he speaks with Moses, particularly for a period of 40 days. Some amazing connections here to the New Testament experience of Jesus, etc. Lots of really cool stuff that we're going to be learning today. We're going to be looking a little bit at what God's character is in terms of how it's described in this space. It's going to be exciting. So you want to stick around for that. We also are going to do a... Uh, a testify segment. I actually have no idea. It's a total surprise to me who's on there today. I, I forgot to ask. So, well, it's going to be news to me I, as well. I know. Oh, tell us, tell we us have, quickly with we twelve have seconds. Justin Sorosian. Justin Sorosian. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He's a good dude. I'm excited. He's a great guy. Yeah. Well, stick around. We're going to have a great show lined up for you. Send in your questions. We'll tell you how to do that after this song. This is Cardiphonia Music. Flee as a bird to your mountain.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio, and it has come that time of the show where we are going to talk about the weird and wonderful world that God has made. But just before we do that, uh, I just wanted to let you know that we would love to hear from you. At the end of our show, we have uh, our, for those of you who are familiar with the show and those of you who are new, we have our question of the week portion at the end of the show where we love to hear from you throughout the show about your questions that you have about God, spirituality, the Bible, the Christian walk, etc., etc., and uh, we like to have an opportunity to try and find answers to some of those questions for you and to engage on those topics of what the Bible has to say about that. So today, if you are the first caller in sending your question, you're going to receive a free copy of a book called The Ten Commandments, The Law of Liberty, which is going to explore how it is that God's laws bring us freedom. It's a super exciting, interesting topic, and I would love to encourage you to do that. You can get your hands on that if you're the first caller in with a question by calling or texting 0491-064-669. Again, that number is 0491-064-669. Now let's find out more about that weird and wonderful world we live in. What do you have for us today, Tash? 
I just find it really fitting that the book that you're giving away today is the Ten Commandments because our weird and wonderful facts are the weird laws that that we have in this world. Oh, yeah. Cool. I thought it That's was interesting. Well, uh, I, did I, you know what we were studying today? Did you read maybe. ahead? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, and we were talking about courts last week. Yes, we and were. And just how, yeah, there was a judgment system set up. But the weird laws, oh, there's some really interesting ones. But I'm going to start in Australia and then work my way to the rest of the world. Awesome. So uh, if, if you're in South Australia and you possess more than 50 kilos of potatoes at any one time, <laughs> according to Section 22, you cannot sell or deliver or purchase or take a delivery of 50 kilos or more of potatoes. Why? Because you need to be a member of the Potato Corporation or an authorized agent. That sounds like they're keeping a bit of a monopoly there on the potatoes. I'm just like... I don't know about you, but potatoes aren't... I'm going to be totally honest here on radio, and uh, this is a a big confession. I'm not the biggest fan of potato, to be totally honest. Really? It's the most, like... I like it in hot chips. I like it in stew. I like... Mashed potato. Yeah, I like... I love mashed potato. That's good. Spuds. Yeah. There's heaps of Baked ways. potatoes kind of like, I could never eat it again. I wouldn't even notice. Like if you were having... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's a fascinating no, Like law. if you were making potato salad for your Christmas or something, you'd I like two potato salads in the whole world. All you the other ones I think are disgusting. You're picky with potato salads? Yeah, I don't like potato salads. There's, there's like the creamy potato salad and then there's like the vinaigrette nah, potato salad. Nah, no? Nah. Well, that's okay. Moving right on. Tell us a different law that makes me South feel Australia. less sick in the stomach. So apparently... <laughs> Uh, depending on uh, to these, it's, it's you can disagree with me. By the way, you can text no, no, in your responses, and we'll read out what's appropriate. Agree with them. <laughs> it's just I find it weird that uh, some of our weird laws come from the same places. Uh, so this next one's from South Australia. It's as well? also from South Australia oh, and, man, and Victoria. Seems... We can add to this. Okay, one. well at least you're from Victoria, so it's yeah. not. It doesn't seem like it's it's prejudiced. It is. All right, it's tell, us some more. tell us some prejudiced. more. Okay, so I've heard of noise curfews, and I've, I've I think heard those are of, good, by the way. Yeah, which are great, and people like not using their lawnmowers too early on a Sunday morning because that's really annoying. Or uh, any day for that matter. Or any day. That's true. On any day. But did you know that vacuuming at night? Is part of it. Oh, okay. I yeah. got to tell you something. I like Katie and I, yeah. my wife and I, we live in a great place. It's a great rental. It's a godsend. And, uh, we have some lovely neighbors that are, are, are there sometimes our landlords, but I got to tell you, I'm going to let you know a secret. Uh-huh. They vacuum like three times a day when they're here. <laughs> three times a day. I'm telling you, when we went into lockdown last year for the first time, we started doing online church three times. I kid you not during our church service, which was just zooming online and put onto Facebook three times in the church service. You could, I could hear the vacuum up on the upstairs <laughs> three times a day. I'm telling you. Oh that is not, that is by no means an exaggeration. You can ask my wife, and she will confirm that is a fact. Wow. Okay, I'll ask her because if it's unreasonable, but at least it was noise, during the day. It's unreasonable noise during the night. Then it's classed as like, yeah, yeah, part of this noise curfew. I got to be honest. I don't think that's a bad law. It's not a bad one. Yeah, I've lived I with I've lived bad. with really noisy neighbors, and yeah, it's bad. Sometimes it's I'm like bad. cleaning I, at night. I was just thinking, why? Why would they stop me from cleaning my house at night? But. Now not, that now that you say that, okay, maybe the average person maybe. is not a shift worker. The average person works in daylight <laughs> hours. I like to sleep. Okay, all right. Now let's go to. I think that's reasonable. Let's, <laughs> that, that's true. That's very reasonable. We're gonna go you to the world. You should call or now. text in if you've got some weird laws that you know about. Please call or text those in to zero four nine one zero six four double six nine because we'd like to know about those weird laws and we can share them with you on on air. Yeah. Well, okay. give us some more, Tash. We're uh, running out of we're time. We're going to the world, so. Uh, Sri Lanka has a war, uh, a law that says no selfies in front of Buddhas. Oh, this yeah. is great. 
Yeah. They probably do it for religious reasons, but I'm cool it's with just no selfies for a, at all. A respect and reverence thing. Did you know that, but, that there has been an increased number of deaths due to selfie taking in national parks in Australia? To the point where people who will go out, like this is no joke, people getting their photographs, taking them on cliff edges, and then falling off to their death. This is like they, they need friends with drones. You can't legislate <laughs> common sense. But, this is but true. Like, this is true. This is the reason we have some of the laws that we have is because people don't manage risk well. But like it's crazy. It's crazy. So I, I'm cool with that. I think we should just get rid of selfies pretty much altogether. I think the world would be better without selfies. But anyway, I'm opinionated. And uh, you can disagree with me. Tell me what you think. We're gonna we're gonna listen to a song now, and you can you can mull over that if you like. This is Lauren Daigle, Inevitable. There's a voice that I need, but I don't hear a sound If I run into what I can see Fighting out of all my unbelief Father, even listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. Super excited to have you joining us today. And it has come that time of our show where we talk to real people living right now and ask them about their journey with Jesus and what, what has God really been doing for them. And today we're going to be having our friend Justin Tarosian joining us. And uh, he's a, uh, well, I actually saw Justin earlier this week kind of on Zoom. So uh, are you there with us, Justin? Yes, I'm here. Robbie, is that you? It is me, mate. It is me. Good to hear your voice. Good old California-style friendship. I love it. (laughs) So we're excited to have you on the show today, Justin. But for for our listeners who might not know you, just tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into your story. 
Sure. My name's Justin, and I'm born and raised in Northern California. Um, after yeah, after running away from God for uh, about four or five years in my teens, I answered his call again to uh, to go into ministry and to serve him. And long story short, I've been pastoring for the last 12, 13 years and met my wife back in 2013. We got married in 2019. God opened up the door and uh, for me to move here and work as a pastor of the Hamilton Adventist Church and Sharissa, um, that wife works in prayer ministries as well as um, doing conference evangelism with us. So. That's yeah, that's a exciting. bit about me, and that's how I ended up here in Australia, unexpectedly, but so glad that God brought us here. Amen. So are the rest of us. <laughs> awesome. And, and by the way, to our, our lovely listeners, if uh, if you live in the Newcastle, Hamilton region, you can always go check those guys out. Check out Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church for more details. You can yes. look them up online. You can also see... Um, uh, Justin and Sharissa involved in the end digital, some of the online presentations that have been happening as well. So we're super excited to have you on the show today and uh, would love to hear your story that you got to share for us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Just standing outside our church in Hamilton where we have an essential, it's called an essential service. We run a food pantry and uh, like 40 to 60 people come through uh, each week to get food for their family. So if you hear cars driving by, that's why my apologies for the noise. The story I'd like to share with you is the earliest memory that I have. And um, I don't know that I've ever seen my guardian angel, but I know that I've felt them. I was three years old, about three and a half, actually. And um, there was a, an old oak tree behind my parents' house. Now, my parents in Northern California uh, live in a mountain town called Angwin, and they live on a hillside. And over the house was hanging this big oak tree. There was a rainstorm that took place, and my dad had been meaning to get somebody to, you know, lop the tree down, but didn't get to before this storm came around. After a literally four days of straight rain, it was about three in the morning, and my parents awoke to this huge crash. The whole house shook, and immediately my dad knew what had happened, and he panicked because that tree was leaning right over my room. So he got up, he rushed to the door of my room, he opened the door and he saw that branches were filling the, the bedroom. So he quickly ducked under them and squeezed around and looked at my bed, which was up against the wall. And let me pause his side of the story just to tell you what I remember. I remember starting to wake up, just barely, starting to kind of wake up. But all of a sudden, I felt this really warm, comforting type of presence or feeling on the top of my head, kind of like when you put your head near an incandescent light bulb, like a normal light bulb that produces heat. And it felt just like that. And then I felt like my covers were slowly being pulled up over me. I was asleep on my left side, facing out. You know, the wall was behind me. And I just felt like the covers were being pulled up over me while I felt this warm, light-like feeling on the top of my head. Well... When my dad looked at my bed, there were two branches dabbing the pillow where my head had been. I was all the way down at the foot of my bed with the blankets totally untouched. Um, and I was curled up on my side, still asleep. I didn't even open my eyes when I felt so comforted by, the, you know, my blanket being pulled up over me, this warm feeling on my head. And I just went back to sleep. My dad woke me up and um, I saw the bedroom and thought, wow, what just happened? And uh, right then and there, my parents and I, we all thanked God for answering our prayer the night before, because every night before I would sleep, my parents, myself, we would pray, we would kneel and we would pray. 
Father, bless us with a good night's sleep. Send your angels to protect us from harm and danger, if there is any. And Lord, help us to walk in your ways and help us to live for you. And so I may not have ever seen my guardian angel. Who knows? Maybe I have in human form. But I know that I've actually felt him. Isn't that and beautiful? Yeah, the Bible says, for God will give his angels charge over you to guard you in all of your ways. And God promises to do just that. When we give our lives to him, he promises to send his angels to protect us, to guide us, and uh, to bless us if there's a tree falling on your bedroom. So that's my encouragement just to every listener now. Maybe you're in a place right now where you've already given your life to God. Well, keep doing it. Give your life to him daily. I just did a funeral for a dear 97-year-old woman earlier today, and I got to read through her Bible, and there was a note uh, under a verse that said, um, baptize me anew daily, O Lord. Baptize me daily, O Lord. O Lord. Born again daily, O Lord. And that should be our prayer. And hey, maybe you're listening today and you're having kind of the valley of decision. You're like, I'm not so sure about God. I'm not so sure about the Bible. Um, if you're in that place, I want to encourage you to know God is real and his angels are real. And I know this not just because I've read it and not just because of this story, but of many experiences where I know God has sent his angel to save my life. And so if you're in the valley of decision, I want to just encourage you, give God a chance, step out and study his word and come to know him more because it could make any, or it will make an eternal difference in your life. That's beautiful. And it's so true. Well, thank you so much for your time, Justin. May God bless you. This is Ellie Holcomb, Anchor of Hope. Marvelous, wonderful, infinite God, author of all that is good, faithful provider and giver of life, source of all power and love. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, refuge of strength to the Redeemer and mighty to save He's the anchor of hope for the souls of men Gracious, compassionate, merciful God Radiant, holy delight Beautiful Father, victorious Son Source of unchangeable light Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise Refuge of strength to the end Righteous Redeemer and mighty to save He's the anchor of hope for the souls of men You are are healing for the broken heart you are hope you are lord you are life you are love that endures powerful constant unwavering god shepherd who comes for the lost rock of salvation remarkable love Savior who died on the cross 
to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. Do you enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Multicultural Adventist Church on Newcastle Road in Wallsend, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10am every Thursday. Great! I'll see you there. This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. This is Air News.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio, and that was, uh, it's not on my screen anymore. I can't remember who that was. It was featuring the Soweto Gospel Choir. I just know that much. Yeah, it was beautiful. it was beautiful. I liked it. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. I just missed the name. Anyway, welcome back. We are going to hop right back into our Bible study now. And uh, before we do that, one more shameless plug for, uh, by the way, not the last one for the show, but a shameless plug nonetheless. We would love to hear from you for our question of the week portion, which is our last section of the show. And uh, we would love to hear from you with your questions about God, about the Bible, about spirituality, about whatever it is that you'd like to ask questions about. And our first caller in today with a question is going to receive a free copy of a book valued at $25. So this is a this is a good plug. You should get your hands on that. Easy to do. And the book is called Ten Commandments, The Law of Liberty, and it explores how God's laws actually help to set us free. If you'd like to know more about that, you can send your questions in by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That number again is 0491-064-669. And uh, we're going to jump right into our Bible study. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Would you like to pray for us, Tash? Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you now and we ask for your blessing upon us as we look into your word. May your spirit just um, unpack all these things and may the words become alive. And uh, for those who are listening, we just pray for your spirit to be with them as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So last week we discovered the next part of the story that was that Moses and all of the Israelites had been attacked by a group called the Amalekites and that God won the battle for them. Um, We saw how Moses participated in that and then we found that Jethro, his father-in-law, came and we learned a bunch of very interesting things about leadership and how they set up their court system and how they set all of that stuff up. And now we're continuing and we're in the book of Exodus, chapter 19. Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament. And uh, I just had a church moment, and I was about to say, when you're there, let me know. But uh, you, don't worry. <laughs> you don't have to call or text when, you're, when you get there. It's okay. You can just follow along. Um, but we're in Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. I'm glad you're there, Tash, because I'm going to get you to read. Would you like to read the first couple of verses for us? No worries. This is chapter 19. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. All right, let's pause there. Already there is something that I think is really fascinating in this passage, and I think it's worth noting. So it says that they've left the area of Rephidim, which was the place that they were in when the water came out of the rock, when Moses was instructed to strike the rock with the staff, and the, 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 the rock fed them with water, quenched their thirst. I really struggle with getting that word out, quench. And um, it's been how long since they've left that place? So it's the third month. Okay, so it's been three months since they've left that place, and now they have arrived at somewhere particular. Where does it say they have arrived? They've camped somewhere. So it's the wilderness of Sinai. They're in the wilderness of Sinai. They camp in the wilderness, and it says that they camped there before 
the mountain. And I want to just highlight something for you. This is, I think this is incredibly fascinating. It doesn't say right there what mountain this is, but what mountain is it? Do we know? Dun, dun, dun. Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, that's right. Now, Mount Sinai is, is known by two names in the Old Testament, um, and those two names are Sinai, clearly, and the other one is Mount Horeb. And what's really fascinating about this is it says they have camped at the mountain. They needed to say nothing more than that because they knew, writing this down, that everyone would know which mountain they were talking about because of the context of the story and what's about to happen. But check this out. This is going to rock your socks off. Remember all the way back to Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses was spoken to by the angel of the Lord, who we know to be the the pre-incarnate Christ, Jesus, before he uh, condescended to become a human being. Um, In Exodus chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock back to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So just take note for a moment. Mount Horeb that we know later on is connected to Mount Sinai, two names for the same place. It's in this place that God speaks to Moses and he gives him his call, right? The angel of the Lord appears to him, says, you know, take your shoes off. The the ground that you're standing on is holy. Obviously, it's holy because God's presence is there. It's called the mountain of God. Uh, Probably after this, it becomes called the mountain of God, most likely. But check out what happens. This conversation ensues. And then in this context... God speaks to Moses and he says this. Remember this. This, we'll, you'll, this has been weeks and weeks ago now, months ago. Now check this out. What does it say? In verse 12, it says that God speaks to him and he says, I will certainly be with you. He's calling Moses to go to Egypt to set his people free. I will certainly be with you. And you ready for this? And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. Question mark. If I'm going to give you a sign that's going to give you the belief to know that I have sent you, do you want that sign earlier or later? Earlier, as early as possible. Yeah, that sounds fair, right? Like yeah. That's what we would all like to think. If you, I, I want the sign now. Check out what God says. He says, this will be the sign that it is me, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Yahweh, the Lord. This will be the sign that it's me talking to you. And then he says this, when you have brought, past tense, the people out of Egypt... You shall serve God where? On On this this mountain. mountain. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a moment here. God says to Moses, I'm calling you. I've got a task for you. This is what I need you to do. The cry of my people has come out to me, and you need to go set them free, and I will be with you. And Moses ensues on this real big dialogue back and forth of, well, what about this problem? God answers the question. Well, what about this problem? And in that conversation, he says, hey, here's going to be the sign. This will be the sign that it was me who sent you. Are you ready for the sign? When you have done the work and you have arrived at this mountain, Mount Horeb, you will know it was me who did it. It was me who called you. Now check this out. Exodus 19. Exodus 19. They have gone through the ten plagues. They have left Egypt. They have crossed the Red Sea. They have been fed by manna. They have been Troughed, for lack of a better word, their thirst has been quenched from the water come from the rock. They have had salt water turned into fresh water. They have had God deliver them in battle. And they get to the mountain of God. And all of a sudden, here is the sign that it was God who sent them. 
Isn't that an incredible thought? Well, Sometimes we want the sign that God is with us to come before we have to do anything, before we have to go through the difficult circumstances so that we can know and have faith. He was speaking with God. He had enough evidence to know it was God who sent him already. But now the confirmation of that came at the end of that ordeal as he arrives at Mount Sinai. And I can just imagine Moses kind of having this realization of, as I remember back, I don't know if I believed that God would be able to do this and get us all the way here. But when you get to this place, you can look back and realize how God was keeping his promises and leading all the way through. Whoa! Well, Super cool, right? Well, it, it's it's just a reminder. And challenging. <laughs> it's challenging because he actually didn't know. He didn't. He actually didn't believe 100% that this was going to happen because he didn't know that there were these things you know, like bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He, Moses just, he wasn't even confident in his own abilities, let alone if that makes sense. Like he wasn't doubting God that what he could do, but he was like, really? Is this really going to happen? I'm going to be back here and have this experience with you. And it's it took amazing. a while, but I want to, and yeah. I want to highlight just one quick thing and then we should keep moving because we've actually got a lot of ground to cover today. And I've talked a lot on one, like to one verse, but um, I think it's really powerful to know God gives enough evidence to move forward. But he doesn't always give you all the answers and all the quest to all the questions and all the signs that you ask for right now. He's not necessarily ready to give you everything all at once, right? But he gives you enough to go forward. Moses had enough to go forward. He'd seen God speaking to him from the, the, the burning bush. That was enough to move forward. He had seen the miracles that God did from his hand right there in that conversation. That's enough to go forward. He sent Aaron. That's enough to go forward the next step to the next step to the next step to the next step. And the sign that he gave is not a sign that was experienced at the beginning. His sign was a sign that was experienced along that journey after he'd taken the next step and enough evidence for the next step and enough evidence for the next step. And as he looked back, he could see and understand God kept all of his promises all the way through. And here I am standing at the mountain of God, and I'm experiencing the sign that it was actually him who sent me now. But that's not the only sign that he got. He got evidence for the next step of the journey at every single step. So be encouraged, my friend. Be encouraged that God is going to give you not everything all at once, but what you need to take the next step of faith. Whenever God shines light on me, open up my eyes so I can see. When I look up in the darkest night, then I know everything's gonna be alright. In deep confusion, in great despair, when I reach out for Him. He is there When I am lonely As I can be Then I know that God shines His light on me Hail 
heals the sick And he heals the lame Says you can do it too In Jesus' name Yes, he'll lift you up and turn you around And he'll put your feet back on higher ground Reach out for him, he'll be there When in your troubles you can share And he heals lame Says you can do it too In Jesus' name Yes, he'll lift you up and turn you around And he'll put your feet back on higher ground You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. And uh, I'm going to tell you, because I just learned this cool new trick about the screen, that was the idea of North, whenever God shines his light, the gospel project. Booyah! That's exciting. Cool. Well, we are going to jump right back into our Bible study after we make a quick announcement. Today, you can call in for our question of the week at any time before that point. And uh, if you send in your question for us today, we will have a look at that at the question of the week portion at the end of the show. And our first caller in today is going to receive a free copy of a $25 valued book, a book valued at $25. That's a better way to say that, called Ten Commandments, The Law of Liberty, which explores how God's laws set us free. So if you'd like to get your hands on that, you can call or text in at 0491-064-669 with your question. All right, so we are now in Exodus chapter 19, and let's start from verse 3 again. Okay. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Awesome. Let's pause there. So what's happening here? What God calls to Moses from the mountain, and what is what's what's his instruction here? What's he talking to him about? Well, he's talking to him about the Israelites, and he's 
he's telling them, well, this is the, the pre, the preamble of what's about to come. Yeah. But he's telling them how, um, not only are they going to be keeping my covenant, but they're going to be a special people for him. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> you know, one thing I find really interesting in this little passage is this. Yeah. He starts by saying, look what I have already done for you. And we're going to see this is a theme that comes through in the Ten Commandments. It starts by saying, look what I have done, not look what you have done. And what you are doing is a response to what God has already done. Isn't that a beautiful picture? God is saying, I already rescued you from slavery. Look what I did. Look how I lifted you up on wings like an eagle, and I carried you. I saved you. I did all of those things. Now, this is the covenant that I'm going to make with you. And if you continue in these ways, you'll be special to me. You're going to have a special role. Isn't that fascinating? And he says to them that their nation is going to be special um, to him above all people. Not because they're going to be more saved or more have more access to salvation, any of that, right? Like, as, as a people, right? God's goal is to save everybody. Remember, the promise to Abraham was that through you, Abraham, through your descendants, through your lineage, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Their, their designation as special, as distinct, was not for them. It was for the sake of everyone else because God had to pick a family to go through. And what God is going to do with the children of Israel from this point forward is he's going to reveal through what we would call types or symbols, through the sanctuary service, etc., things that are going to point forward in clear detail to the ministry of Christ for how salvation will take place, how the life and the death and the resurrection and the ministry of Christ is going to play out through eternity for the salvation of all who wish to be saved all who will respond to the call of grace. And what's fascinating to me about this is that he says that, for all the earth is mine. He says, it's all mine. And for this reason, if you will observe my statutes, if you will keep these things, I will make a covenant with you. If you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you will be a special people to me. For all the earth is mine. You're going to have a special role to play. You as a nation are going to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, and what's fascinating is that that same call in 1 Peter, I think it's in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 and 9, that same call is then later on given to all the followers of Jesus. <laughs> Professionalism goes out the window on this radio station. That was a great ringtone. I'm I love so it, Tash. It was good. All right. So there's. I just think that's a really beautiful, beautiful thing. And here's the point that I wanted to make out of that. Remember, being called by God is not something about you. Being set up as distinct and separate and having a special calling, it's not because you're special and it's about you. Like, you are special. Everyone's special. God loves you, right? But it's not about you being lifted up on high. It's about God using you to help others come to that knowledge of the truth. It's a responsibility. It's a great privilege. I love that. It's not about exclusion. It's actually for the purpose of inclusion. Mm. I love that. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 7. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Awesome. Uh, Just real quick, I yeah. think... Isn't it interesting that, that God is saying, I'm going to give you some evidence? Did you notice that? Yeah. Like we were talking about evidence before, and there was evidence given to Moses 
obviously that evidence of the plagues and all those things were given to everybody else because they all saw that. But in terms of his calling to Moses, he gave Moses specific evidence. But here he says something really interesting, and it's got multiple layers to it. But he says, hey, look, Moses, I'm going to come down, and I'm going to speak to the people, but I'm going to be veiled in the cloud. They can't see me. And there's a, there's a twofold purpose, it seems to me, for this. Number one, it's going to give them some evidence. God has instructed them through Moses. This is the deal. Covenant's going to be made, etc. But he's not just going to give them covenant through Moses and then like not come and talk to them, give them evidence for themselves. But also he's establishing, here's the second point, right? He gives them evidence to believe, but not everything. He doesn't, he doesn't unveil himself totally. He gives them enough for, the, for them to choose to believe and to walk in faith. But the second thing is he's actually giving them enough evidence to know that what God is saying to Moses is, from Mo- is not Moses' things. It's from God, it's actually from God. right? Because yeah. he's giving the evidence. Hey, I'm going to speak to Moses. You all heard me spoke. Now I'm going to call Moses up here, and we're going to have a legit conversation in a little bit more detail about all the other bylaws and things that are going to come in for your society and for your culture. Yeah. Fascinating. And I think he, and he, the way he shows himself as well in a thick cloud, in a supernatural way, in, a, in something that they can't actually create themselves. So it's, it's like an assurance. Oh, mm. wow. This is, this is something so much bigger than us. This is God speaking to us. Totally. And you're going to find that their response to that becomes very evident how they feel about that. Awesome. All right. Let's keep reading. That's a great point. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day... The Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. All right. So, whoa, I've just knocked off my jerry-rigged uh, thing out. Anyway, <laughs> the pop filter fell off the microphone. Okay, so what's going on here? What can we draw from this? Um, he's telling them, well, let's be clean. Wash your clothes. Make sure you're ready. But also he gives a warning, like, when when he comes down, do not touch anything that's on the mountain. Yeah, which is interesting. It's very interesting, isn't yeah. it? Like God, God is saying to them, "I am separate. I am distinct. I am holy. We're, we're not on the same level here. I'm descending to talk to you. I have chosen you, and if you respond in faith, like you're going to be my covenant people." He says, "I'm coming down," but there's a challenge. God is is a consuming fire the Bible describes him as. God is not full of sin. God can't God can't dwell with sin, right? He says no man shall see my face and live. He says that later, I think it's Exodus 34 when he speaks to Moses and appears to him. Um he allows him to see his back, right? But what's really fascinating here is there's this there's this idea of holiness and unholiness that becomes very distinct. And what we discover is that there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves holy. Like God is telling them, do these things to make yourselves clean, but and, but yet there's still a boundary that you can't come across because it's God who's got to impart his holiness, and that has to come through his son. There, there's just so much profound, I think, significance to this, this idea of 
we God is imminent, meaning he's close to us, but he's also transcendent. He's above and beyond. And I guess we get this kind of paradox that happens in this in this scene where God's holiness is on display, and yet he's trying to reach through the breach to reach to the people in a way that they can understand, but there's still this difficulty of the boundaries in place because of sin. And it's just a fascinating part of the story. This is The Porter's Gate, The Greatest Commandment. your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself let us be known let us be known by the way we love let us be known let By the way we love Love the Lord your God With all your heart and soul and mind And love your neighbor as yourself Love the Lord your God With all your heart and soul and mind And love your neighbor as yourself Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind And love your neighbor as yourself Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind And love your neighbor as yourself Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind And love your neighbor as yourself You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. This is Real Fa- uh, uh, Faith FM. This is Real Faith on Faith FM. Yes. Man, sometimes because the names are so close, I really struggle with that. But we are back. We're going to be uh, doing the next part of our Bible study, continuing on. But before we do that, Tash has something to say about question of the week. Are you ready for it? Are you ready, Tash? I just sprung this on you right now. What can, how can people contact us? If people would like to send in their questions, what are they going to receive? The first caller in today is going to receive what? Uh, there's a book here, The Ten Commandments, The Law of Liberty, and this book is worth $25. You! But you can call us on 0491-064-669 with your questions. And the first person who calls in is going to get a free copy They of get the free copy of the book, yes. Isn't that awesome? That would be the easiest 25 bucks you've ever made <laughs> in the form of a book. Yes. I love it. 
So send us in your questions. We would love to answer them. And uh, yeah. yeah. And we do that later on. Yeah. It, yeah. During question of the show. week where we play that jazzy tune. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's jump back into our Bible study. Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, let's jump back into our Bible study. Let's continue reading. Okay. Let's continue reading. We were picking up from verse 16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning, and there was thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai, on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people. Oh, sorry, let's pause there. I lost track. It's okay. Okay, what's happening here? What's the what's this description? Whoa, it's I don't know. I kind of see it's not a voca- volcano, but there's like this smoke. And this is this, the kind of thing a kiwi would yeah. say. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> no, continue. But something Sorry. something like that because it's like there's smoke and then there's a loud sound and there's there's just yeah there's a big cloud as well. There's a lot of things going on in oh, this mountain. Yeah. There is. And it's moving at the same time. There's a very, very interesting connection here that, that just sticks out to me. Um, when Elijah, later on, many years later, hundreds of years later probably, I don't know the maths on that one, um, you've got Elijah who flees from persecution. He's a prophet of God. And where does he flee to? He flees to Horeb, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he did. And as he's on the mountain, it says there, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain, right? As far as Horeb, the mountain of God, he goes back to the same place. And notice notice how God appears to him in this place. And see these connections. I just think this is really cool. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after that wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still small voice or a, vo- a sound of sheer silence. And at that point, Elijah knows to come out because God has arrived, right? Isn't that interesting, this connection? Because here in this description here, when he, he comes and appears before the children of Israel, there was, a, there was thundering, there was lightnings, there was thick cloud, the sound of a trumpet, very loud. The Lord descended upon it in fire. The earth quaked, the whole mountain quaked, right? Some very powerful connections. When God shows up, there are all of these amazing, tumultuous things happening around him, right? But it's interesting, excuse me, when he appears to Elijah, it says he wasn't in those things, but those things came around him. But then from this place, God is going to speak, right? His presence appears and there's this, there's this tumult around him. There's just this amazing, majestic, supernatural stuff happening. It's almost like the earth is responding to its maker, and he's about to speak to his people that he has made. And when he's up there, he speaks, right? The blast of the trumpet sounded, and Moses speaks, and God answers him by voice. Imagine what that would be like, seeing that scene and hearing the voice of God responding to a man. 
Isn't it incredible that this big, like this is again the transcendent above and beyond and the imminent, so close that it can't be any closer, being demonstrated in this space. God who is transcended, who is above all, who is all power and majesty and wonder is here and he's come from his place of transcendence and he's become imminent, talking to a human being. And this idea of God being so beyond us and yet so willing to condescend or, in other words, to step down to our level to speak to us is such an amazing demonstration, not of just the power of God, which is not the primary thing of concern, but the love of God. God's desire to connect and save broken humanity is on display here. The character of God is shown, and I love this. And then this little conversation ensues, right? The Lord comes down on Mount on Mount Sinai. He calls Moses to the top of the mountain. So the people can see God wants to speak to Moses. He's put Moses in this role. That would be a big confirmation of leadership. And then Moses goes up and has a conversation with God. Let's read the rest of the chapter. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. I really confusing. I really love this conversation. Come up, no, go down. But you said. He's like, hey, come up here. And then when he comes up, he's like, hey, by the way, go back down and tell the people. Why do you think God would say that? Why, why do you think God would say, hey, go back down. Make sure that the people don't cross the boundary. Oh, maybe because they're, they're looking at Moses. And maybe they're thinking, oh, this is, this is permission. I can go up there too. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. yeah, it's quite possible. Yeah. What I love about this is that God cares so much about the people, right? Like think about it. You, you could be like, oh, man. Man, God doesn't want those people to come up, but why wouldn't he want them to come up? Because he had said, anybody who comes up, they're going to die, right? Like, you can't come into my presence unless unless I've been called, and there's a veil, right, so that you can't see, because you can't see God and live. Like, he's saying, lest they come up and gaze upon my presence, right? He's shielding Moses. He's called him up. He's veiled. But he says, don't let the people come up past the threshold, because what's going to happen if they come past that threshold? And they gaze upon him. They're going to die, right? And so what God is doing here, it seems to me, is he's saying, Moses, you need to go down and protect the people. Make sure that they follow the boundaries so that they don't experience the consequences that are natural, that are going to happen. And Moses is like, but you said set up the boundary. They can't come up. We already did the thing. Like, And he's like, away. And he says it with such like such haste, right? He's like, he doesn't say, okay, no, hold on. Now He just says, away, go, get (laughs) Get yeah, moving, get. bro. And I kind of get this sense. This is just me. This is not what the Bible says, but this is just my thought. I kind of get the sense. It seems like he's concerned it's going to happen. You need to go now and make sure this doesn't happen. And isn't it interesting that sometimes in leadership we we think everybody's got it, and yet they don't quite yet have it, and we need to go down and nurture a bit more so that we don't have people winding up in difficult consequences. And God's desire here, it seems to me, is to protect and preserve the people. He's about to speak to them, to enter into covenant with them. And he says, go back down and just make sure that people understand the boundaries so that they don't lose out on the opportunity that they're about to get so that they can stay alive. And I love this. I love this idea. And and look, maybe it's 
It's because, like you're saying, we're still needing to nurture people. We don't understand why there are boundaries because they're going to actually protect us. And we, what we may see is like a, like, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not privy to this or I'm not allowed to do this or can't, you know, I'm, I'm not ready for this. But what, but what really God is saying is like, I'm just protecting you because you still need to grow. You need to develop into, yeah. Because Moses had spent that time with him. He had done the, the hard yards in the wilderness. There was, yeah, so definitely. Yeah, totally. And you got to remember, like, there was a mixed multitude that came with them. Yeah. There's a lot of people in this experience. They were slaves, right? How much of their identity had been taken away? How much of their their spiritual life had been removed or or jaded or shaded or clouded? They They had to relearn what it was to operate with this holy God who loves them. Right? They had to learn how, how these things operate. And one of the amazing things that happens, and not amazing in a good way, is that we so easily forget how we were made to function. We so naturally go off course, but God's about to show them a different way of life, and he's protecting them even now to make sure that they're on that journey to nurture and to protect and to grow and to lead them into life. This is Nathan Young, written down in stone. The law is just and the law is right And it's written by God in stone The law is love and the law is light And it's written by God in stone I will follow His commandments I'll abide in Him alone For His law is my delight It's written down in stone Oh, it's written down in stone The law is holy, the law is Forever sure, and it's written by God in stone. I will follow His commandments. I'll abide in Him alone. For His law is my delight. It's written down in stone.
listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. I tried to cough right before the microphone came on, but I think I coughed right after. But that's okay, because it's okay. you can't get any of my breath droplets, because I'm in a radio and you're listening to me from a speaker, and it's safe. So, you uh, can call in for something. Tash is going to tell you about that. So you can call in oh, for the question of the week. You! you. We would love to hear from we you. We would love to hear from time. you guys. There's still time, and we're giving away... Um, to the first caller, a book that's called The Ten Commandments, The Law of Liberty, and it's worth $25. So, yeah, you can be the first caller in and receive a free copy of that and call us on 0491-064-669. That number again was? 0491-064-669. Awesome. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we'd love to hear um, from you. You know, actually, I'm doing a uh, – we've been doing this online devotional. Well, I've been doing this online devotional on our church Facebook page. You can check us out, Coast Life Adventist Church NSW for New South Wales on Facebook. Um, we've been doing this this online devotional, and we've just started today the Sermon on the Mount. And it's really interesting how much space Jesus actually spends exploring and expanding on on the Ten Commandments in that passage. It's fascinating how much Jesus hones in and draws out of that. And what he does is, I say expands, but it's more like he's expounding. He's drawing out of the commandment what the principle is and how broad-reaching they are. And it's fascinating. Jesus' commentary on it is incredible. So I highly recommend you call in, get your hands on that book. It's a highly acclaimed book. It'll be very interesting for you. All right, so let's continue reading. We're now in Exodus chapter 20, and we are going to go through the Ten Commandments. And uh, we only have like eight minutes here, so no way we're going to do this justice. But we're going to try and draw out some things as we go through that I think are going to be significant for us. Okay. So we're in uh, verse, we're in chapter 20 and in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. All right, pause there. Boom. Boom. What is the first thing? What is the first commandment? So many people, when they talk about the Ten Commandments, they leave out the very first thing that God says. What does he say? He says, I am the Lord your God. And then he and then he goes on to say what he's done for them. Boom. Yeah. Oh, boom. Mic drop. Like you got to get your head into this. Get your head into this. People say the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. Bum, bum. That's that's number one B. Number one A that you've forgotten, the first half of the first commandment is this. I am the Lord your God who brought you, past tense, 
out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Point number one is his reasoning for everything else is he says, I already saved you. I saved you, therefore. I saved you. This is what free life looks like. You were a slave, but I saved you. So don't, don't ever fall into this stupid trap. I'm going to call it stupid because it, it really irritates me. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. Don't fall into this dumb trap of thinking, I can earn my salvation somehow by keeping these commandments. That is not the point. The point is, God has already saved them by grace. This is what new life looks like. And by the empowerment of his Holy Spirit, this is how free your life will become. Woo! Like, wow. just get that deep into your soul. If you have been saved by God, why would you have another God before him? Why would you have any other God at all? Point number one, he says is, I have saved you. You shall have no other gods. You've got me. I did the work. Trust in me. Boom. I love this. I love it. Don't ever, don't ever let that fall out of your head. Don't ever read, the, like if you, you can't continue to be my friend, I think, if you cannot remember that the first commandment does not start, you shall have no other gods, but it starts with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt already. Keep that in your mind. Keep that in there. Boom. It's the first thing that he says. God spoke all these words saying, and he says that. Okay, but commandment number one. Go ahead. That's commandment number one. And before we go on as well, I'm I'm bringing back my Hebrew, and I'm sorry to get all technical. Oh, for, do it, do it. Get technical. Um, so I'm a word nerd. I love the it. words. You shall is actually when you look at the Hebrew, it's written in an imperfect kal, and what that means is it's an action that is yet to be completed. So it can be completed in the future or has been completed in the past. So what, what when we look at the Ten Commandments, people think it's a, a do not list. Do not do this, do not do this, do not do that. But it's actually you you will not or you shall not. You're in light of exactly what Robbie was talking about, because you know what because of you you know what God has done for you, you will not do these things. Which is very different to a do not do list. Exactly. It's empowering rather than restricting. And it's an, an you no longer yeah. will be a slave to all the false gods. You will now have no other gods before me because yeah. I saved you. Because I saved you, and that action is a choice. It's a choice that you need to still make. Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. God respects our choice all the way along. Yeah. Oh, oh, preach it. So every preach time it. you hear the words now, you shall. It's in light of the choice that you are going to make that you will do something. So it's not a to do like do not list. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Let's read verse four through six. Commandment number two. Uh, technically, by the way, the Hebrews called this the ten words, not the ten commandments. Anyway, Decalogue means ten words. Boom. Let that sink into your psyche. All right, let's keep reading because I'm looking at the clock and we got not enough time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's, oh, very ambitious, but we can get there. All right. We're in verse four and it says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Awesome. Hey, Shell, I'm just going to put a request out. Can we just can the next song? I just think we need the time. This is too good. All right. Sorry if you liked the music. It was going to be a great song, but maybe you can hear it later. All right. Commandment number two was what? In brief. Commandment number two, in brief. You um, shall not make for yourself a carved image. No idols, right? No idols. Yeah. Yep. Okay, check this out. 
There's a passage in here that we've just read that some people scratch their heads at and they think, whoa, this sounds a little bit full on, right? He says, don't make any idols. This seems obvious. Don't make gods, right? (laughs) Don't go and chop down a tree, shape it into an image and say, that's the thing that saved me because that's ludicrous. Mm. Don't make things that are after our own image. God God doesn't need an image. He is the God who is unseen. He's the God who they've seen by his actions, by his stepping into history who he is. They don't have to make a form of him, right? They don't, we don't need to make our God because that demonstrates it's not a God in and of itself because we made it. We're above it, obviously. Okay, but he says this powerful thing. He says, any likeness of any of these things, but then he says, because, because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And then he says this, visiting the iniquity, which means sin, of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commands. I just want to point something out here that may be new to you. Epigenetically, there's there's two ways that we see this scientifically actually come to place. One of those is called epigenetics. The other one is what I would call uh, I was uh, the word develop, developmental factors. I don't know what the word is. So like predisposition. Yeah, but but yeah. not no. Yeah, I'm thinking of something else. I'm talking about like nature and nurture, right? So for example, my my grandfather was an alcoholic. My dad grew up in that context, and through epigenetic switches, he has he had those those triggers turned on a predisposition towards alcoholism, towards substance abuse. I also, because of his choices in the previous generations, I have that predisposition, and I've seen that impact my life in a, in a, in a, in a superfluous number of ways. But also, he was raised watching that behavior. And I was raised watching that behavior. And so these things that we do that are against God's will, they have a way of passing down for two reasons. One, epigenetically inside our genes, our DNA, triggers get turned on or off based on parental behavior. Secondly, what we are, the environment that we are in in terms of development that we watch, we learn from these things. Why is it that single-parent homes tend to lead to further generations of single-parent homes? For similar reasons. You don't have the the skills necessarily in that environment that are learned. So you're watching in these behaviors. Why is alcoholism passed down generation to generation? Why is – and you could just keep going and going and going on this. It's a simple fact, and God says it right here. He says, look, it's built into your nature that this is going to happen, but you can be the chain breaker because when you choose to stop that, you actually can change the epigenetic switches that get passed on in your genes by discontinuing the behavior. As you discontinue those behaviors or start other behaviors, right, you pass that on through developmental and situational, circumstantial um, development that you do with your family, with your children, with your children's children. It goes on and on, and he's saying the blessing is in the commandment itself, right? The blessing is in there, and it's, it's written into your DNA that what you do will perpetuate. So it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. He says don't make idols. Don't pass those things on. And he talks about this, and it's true of all of these other things. Anyway, I think that's a super profound thing. Number three, verse seven. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the law would not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Oof. Okay, so how would you describe that in like one sentence? What does that mean, to not take the Lord's name in vain? Don't use God's name in a bad way. Or yeah, like, that's how like, we would typically say it. Like, don't say, don't use the word Jesus as an expletive, Right. Don't use the word God as an expletive. And that's usually where people stop. Now, that's true. Don't misuse God's name in that way. But I want to put a challenge out there to anybody who calls themselves a Christian, and myself included. And I think this is a rebuke. Anytime that we call ourselves followers of Jesus and then misrepresent God, we are misusing his name. 
we're taking it upon ourselves in vain because we misrepresent him. And when we misrepresent God, there's a terrible thing that happens. And you have probably come across this as I have come across this as I have experienced it myself. I associate the person who misrepresented Jesus and it distorts my view of Jesus. And so there's a real serious calling here he's saying. He's saying, don't misrepresent me. You take my name upon you. Don't go out and act out of accordance with the way that I would respond. He says, don't misuse my name. And I think that's quite a serious call and a challenge that requires a humble heart. And only God can do that in our lives. All right, let's read number four, verse eight through 11. This is a long one. Remember the Sabbath day. But a good one. I preached a whole sermon series on this the last two weeks. It's good. It's good. Okay. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Awesome. Let's just make a couple of quick points before we go to the news. Number one, God sets apart the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath, to make it holy, a day that's special for rest. But notice this, God's gift of rest as a memorial of creation, as a recognition that God is our provider, as a recognition that I can, I can, I can lay my worries and my work aside because I trust and I have faith in the grace and the gift of God to provide for my physical as well as my spiritual needs. It is an act of grace. It is an act of faith. It is sanctification by faith, not by works. But here's a point. He says, you don't get your rest at anyone else's expense. It says, you get to rest once, but your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your cattle, seven times he says, other people get rest. You're listening to Real Faith, but it's not as real as it could be. Why, you ask? Because this isn't the live show. So as good as this is, the live show is where it's really at. Join us every Thursday from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. so you can be involved live. Hi, everyone. We're the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. And you can join us every morning on The Breakfast Show. We cover news that matters and do our encounter with God. We also have an intense quiz, great giveaways, or inspiring music, and best of all, you can have your say and be a part of the Brecky family. We're live across Australia, so check your Faith FM program for your local airtime. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Right there. 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM, and I'm just wondering, Shell, what time is it? Awesome. Um, so we have got a question in from Alan. Thank you, Alan. You're going to get a free copy of the book Ten Commandments. Uh, I forget what the rest of the title was. The Law of Liberty, I think it was. And uh, Tash is going to read for us the question that Alan has sent in, and we're going to do our best to answer that. Okay, so the question goes like this. I've been told the Sabbath day has been done away with and that every day is as a Sabbath. Where do you get this from? Or where in Scripture is this? Or where in Scripture can we find this? Okay. Yeah. So there are a couple of verses that were sent to us to, to have a look at. So let's let's go through those. Um, I think the first one was John 1, 1 to 3. Um, the second one was Hebrews 1, verse 2. You can read. You got Hebrews? I've got Hebrews. Let's go Hebrews 1, verse 2 that was sent in. Um, and I'll just recap John so, 1, 1 to 3 because I think I know that one off the So heart. Hebrews 1, verse 2 says this. 
has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Okay, so this verse is simply stating that Jesus is the one who made the worlds, and he's become the heir of all things. Um, you can look up for us Hebrews 4, 9, through 9 and 10, I think it was, while yep. I just quote this one. So in John 1, verses 1 to 3, it says, In the beginning was... Sorry. In the beginning, he w- was the Word. Oh, here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Um, yeah. And so this, again, is, is connecting Jesus as the Creator. So both of these statements, just real quickly are identifying Jesus in the creation narrative. And what they're actually doing is they're hearkening back, saying Jesus is the one who made the worlds back at the beginning in the creation. So this is a key point for us to keep in our mind. All right, let's read Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. So there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Awesome. Okay, so what's that telling us, real quickly? You got anything for us there, Tash? It's saying that the it was the rest was created right at the start, and it still is valid even to today. Awesome. Yeah. And then there's this promise of an eternal rest, an eternal Sabbath that's coming, right? in a sense, right, this this eternal rest that's coming. What's interesting to note here is that in Isaiah 66, verse 13 and 14, it says that in this new world, in the new heavens, in the new earth, it also says that we will still continue to come and gather and celebrate from Sabbath to Sabbath. Um, there's one more verse that was asked about, and this is the one that's typically thrown out, and I just wanted to read all of these and then respond. So the last one is from Colossians, and in Colossians it is verse, I think it's chapter 2, might be chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. I think it's Colossians 2, 16 and 17. You got that for us, Tash? Yep, I got this. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Awesome. So again, all three of these passages are putting forward the idea that Jesus is the maker. So point number one that I think would be an appropriate response to the question is, my answer to that is, the, where do people come up with the idea that the Sabbath has been done away with? And my, my answer is that there's, there's only like a couple of difficult verses, but as you look into the, the technical aspects of the language, they become significantly clearer. There's one of those that we haven't read yet that we'll look at in a moment. But my basic answer to that is I, I don't know. Like I don't know where people come up with this idea because what's fascinating here is that in all three of these passages, it's talking about Jesus as the creator. What's interesting is that Jesus is present in the creation narrative, creating the worlds, and he apparently is the one who is resting on the Sabbath in the creation narrative in Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 4. It is also Jesus who appears on Sinai, to Moses, remember, in the burning bush, and communicates to him. And then later it's on Sinai that God is giving the Ten Commandments, who is acknowledging in the Sabbath commandment that this is about worshiping the Creator. And who is the Creator? Well, the New Testament affirms Jesus is the Creator. And so the Sabbath always was about acknowledging and worshiping Jesus. They just were worshiping Jesus veiled, so to speak, not knowing his full 
uh, I guess, demonstration of himself as revealed in the flesh in the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. So that's what I would say to that, which is fascinating to look at. The last verse that we would look at is Colossians 2, verse 16 and 17. And by the way, if you would like more information on this, I've got a couple of articles that I can give to you. Um, so if you just text into 0491-064-669, we can actually send you some resources on this that you can read and look in a more, bit more detail because it's kind of hard to answer these with great detail in just seven minutes. But in Colossians 2, verse 16 and 17, he says to the Colossian church, he says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or new moon or Sabbaths. Notice it's plural which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Now, this is the passage that's probably been used with the most clout in terms of trying to defend that position. There's a couple of challenges with that position, though. Number one is that in this passage itself, what's being referred to is, in the technical language, is referring to the feasts, right? So this is, the new moon was a feast, it was a festival, and the festivals was another name there that's for those feasts, but they are also referred to as Sabbaths, plural. And in the technical Greek that's happening there, we see this connection that it's actually three different ways of talking about this trilogy, so to speak, of the same category of things. These, these three things, by the way, are separate from the weekly Sabbath. And what's fascinating to note is that this, the weekly Sabbath was instituted at creation, where these were instituted in the Mosaic Law, the weekly Sabbath is referenced in the Ten Commandments, whereas these festivals are not mentioned in the Ten Commandments. They're in the Mosaic Law. And so you notice there's a differentiation. There's a distinction. The Ten Commandments, again, were kept in the inside of the, the Ark of the Covenant, written by the finger of God in stone twice because Moses broke them. We'll get through that story next week um, is the plan. And they were placed inside. However, the Mosaic Law that Moses wrote, not God, was written in a separate book that was collected and attached on a, uh, I guess like, what, what would you call that? It's, you know those paper compartments that you get in an office store where you put your papers into them? I don't know what that's called. Kind of like a cubby. We'll call it a cubby. It's for lack of a better word. And you put, that might be an American term. Anyway, there was a slot on the side of the box outside the covenant, and that's where they would put Moses' law, right? They would put that on. So there's a distinction there. And you can see that all through Exodus, there's a big distinction between those two things. A couple other quick things that I would say in terms of responding to that. And if you'd like to know more about the technical language, let me know. But the last thing I'll say is that in Acts 28, verse 17, Paul says something very interesting. Paul was somebody who kept the laws of God. Um, and in his final defense, he says here, Acts 28, verse 17, in Rome, he says, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers. Right? Isn't it interesting that Paul continues to keep the Sabbath? All of the disciples continue to keep the Sabbath post-resurrection. We see that recorded through the New Testament. And also that Jesus himself in Matthew 24 says to them, hey, when the destruction of Jerusalem is coming, which we know happens 40 years later, he says, pray that it will not happen on the Sabbath. So I hope that that's helpful to you, Alan. If you'd like more, just let us know, and we can send you some more articles on that information. You can check it out. This is God Rested by Andrew Peterson. So they took his body down The man who said he was the resurrection and the life 
This is Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. Man, I love that song. Thanks for playing that show. I didn't even ask you. You just played that. That was oh. it was so fitting, though. I love, yeah. I love the piano. That was really Isn't it nice. cool? That's such Very a cool nice. connection that when in the creation narrative, God finishes the work of creation and he rests on the Sabbath day. Jesus on the cross, he finishes the work that he was to do on his earthly ministry, the work of dying for sin 
his blood is shed and he finished that work and he rests. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Awesome. Oh, there's so many more things we could say on that topic, but I won't get into it. So um, if you'd like to know more, just call or text us and we can send you some more details, um, some Bible study resources, whatever you'd like. Uh, we can send that to you. But we've come towards the end of our show, and I'm just thinking to myself that there's a good chance that if we keep reading the Ten Commandments, we're just not going to get through them in this time, and we're going to race through them. So I think we'll finish the the Ten Commandments next week probably. So let's okay. start doing some revision. What can we take from this? So we've done, by the way, the first four commandments, and depending on who you speak to, they might split the Ten Commandments into four and six, four dealing with our relationship with God and six dealing with our relationship with humanity. Some would suggest that the first five are actually really ultimately to do with our relationship with God and that the last five are that with, with others as well. But you'll have to find out next week. Stick around for that. So what can we take from today's Bible study that we can apply in our real life. Because again, if it doesn't reach into our real life, it's a waste of time. Okay, I'll go first. So there's a few things. Um, I like that um, Moses is back at this mountain. He's back at Mount Sinai, and he's here. And it's not just confirmation. Um, we we haven't we haven't entered into this. It happens later on with the Israelites, but this idea of Ebenezer Stone, like this. Stone of remembrance. It's this mountain of remembrance mm. for Moses because it's not just what God would, said that he would do, but that it's come to fruition. And all of these things have happened, and now he's here again, and the Israelites are with him. And it's just God showing that he has been consistent, that he has been there time and time again. Because when, when he was there the first time, Moses didn't have the words. He was. He didn't know who God was. He didn't know what to do. He was. You know, should I take my shoes off? Should I? What, what should I do? But now, now he's here. He is a leader in his own right, and and this vision that God has had for his life is is happening. And I think well, well there's many implications in that. But there is for all of us. There is a purpose, and there is a vision that God has for our lives. And sometimes we're, we're, we're you know, we, we, we need confirmation for things, but God is always consistent um, in showing us and walking through us, with us in that journey. Mm. Yeah. And I love that. And I love that it wasn't like he showed him the whole plan all at once, all the time. It was, here's enough evidence to take the next step. Yeah. Here's enough evidence to take the next step. And often I think that's the way that God leads in our lives. And rather than thinking, God, you got to just... You know, we can give these ultimatums to God. You just show me everything. If you just appeared right now, and then, then I'd change my whole attitude and posture towards you and blah, blah, blah. When we all know that's not true. The reality is God gives us enough to take that next step. Yeah. It's a journey of faith. And as we look back, we will see that that evidence weighs together and becomes a, a insurmountable force, perhaps, the longer that we journey with Jesus. I love that. Oh, and maybe as well, Robbie, that if we're shown the whole picture— do we have the? Maybe this, you wouldn't go. You wouldn't go. Like, do you have the stamina for it? Do you think you don't even have the the abilities yet? Like, because because they they come right. they That's they come as he grows. That's so, a great point. Yeah. Maybe if Abraham had been told all that was going to happen in his life, he would have been like, "Hey, uh, I'm staying in Ur of the Chaldees." See you, bro. <laughs> Moses would have just stayed in the desert. I I would have. <laughs> I've read the rest of the story. It's pretty hectic what he went through. Yeah. What else can we take from this? Um, I love, and I'm gonna I'm gonna harp on this. God's rescue came before his covenant. God's rescue of the people came before he called them into 
obedience. It, called, it came before he called them into a free life. He says, I've saved you. You're free now. Let me enable you to be free. Let me fill you with my spirit. Let me lead you in this new way. And we're going to talk more about how that looked next week as we finish out those things. But I also love this idea that the Bible says that love is the fulfillment of the law, right? So if we are loving, we're going to automatically be doing these things, right? And and we'll talk about this more next week when we talk about the commandments, particularly that deal with how we treat other people. But it's also true of God. Like if I truly love God, why would I have other gods before him? If I truly love God, why would I make gods that I know are not real and bow down to them instead of bowing down to the invisible creator of the universe? If I truly love God, why would I not acknowledge and trust that he's going to provide for me instead work myself as a slave, work to the bone seven days a week trying to build up my empire rather than trusting he's going to provide for my needs? Why would I misuse his name? Why would I call upon his name and then and then go out there and misrepresent him to the world? Like it's just if I love God, then it's going to – it's going to obviously incorporate these things, and I love that because love is the fulfillment of the law. Agape love incorporates all of the Ten Commandments, obviously, but it's just so cool that it's spelled out that way, I think, in Scripture for us. One other thing that I think is really neat is that – and we were talking about this in the break, but I'll mention it now – is that the the reality is God had brought them out of Egypt, but now he needed to bring Egypt out of them, right? 400 years in slavery does something to your psyche, Right, It does something to your way of life. And God's wanting to say, and we're going to talk about this again next week, learn more about this. But the reality is God wants you and I to live the freest life possible. Now, a, a totally free life does not involve no boundaries. We sometimes get confused about that idea. We'll flesh that out more next week. But this idea that God wants us to be free, there is freedom in his, his calling, in his commandments. His biddings are enablings. By the power of his spirit, we can walk in a new way of life. And I may not be where I want to be today, but I'm certainly not where I was 15 years ago or so when I started my journey with Jesus. And he's going to continue to lead us on that journey all the way. So commit your life to him today. Surrender to him. Take that next step. Stick around for drive time. And remember, my friends, that real faith is lived faith. faith.